Good morning, Dunbar family. So good to be gathered today in Jesus' name. Uh, many of uh, you know who I am, but if you don't, my name is Dave, and I'm part of the team here. I get to be the associate pastor of youth and young adults, and it's so great to have our youth in the service today. As well, it's always great to have our young adults because we love them. Uh, and I have that, the privilege of watching over this wonderful group. Uh, you probably also have heard already that we're in this series called In Formation. In Formation, so clever, but also very true. And it's the series where we're looking at spiritual disciplines, right? Of God forming us to be more and more like Jesus through his presence with us and through these helpful biblical practices. Like last week, reading and meditating on God's word day and night in this life-giving way. So this week, this week, we're asking God to form us through fasting. Fasting? Oh, gosh. Isn't that something where you just, like, don't eat or something like that? Maybe it's some sort of dietary thing or a workout strategy. And maybe I've heard that even some other religions do this fasting thing. So, so let's clarify. Let's clarify. The biblical Christian practice of fasting is this, for a time, not eating or abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. And we'll get into this, but I just want you to know that biblical Christian fasting is voluntary, just not eating for a certain amount of time to come close to God and become more like Jesus. But you may already be asking the question, why would I possibly want to give up food? I like food. Food is good. Um, story. One, one of my foster boys who I've uh, been with for the last four years, since he was seven, uh, and for pretty much every week we meet together, the first thing he says to me, the first is not like, hey Dave, how you doing? How was your week? No, it's always, what's for snack? Some of you may be able to relate to this. Yes, I am a snack dispensary, um, and a good one too, I think. Now, before I get too frustrated with my snack kid, food is good. I want us to, to know this. This is true. Food is good, even a gift from God. You can see it all throughout the Bible. Maybe the Exodus story is familiar to you, where God's people were hungry, and God provided food for them for 40 years in the desert. This amazing manna, this bread-like substance. Food is good, provided by God. And many of you may know the stories of Jesus providing these loaves and fish multiplied for thousands upon thousands and thousands of people. Food is good, and God provides food. God loves food. So, why fast? So if we're honest, and I want us to be honest, we think about food a bit too much. Some of you might be thinking about food right now as I talk about it, right? And as we've said before, we're kind of formed by that culture of food, right? Our wider culture is all about the food, the drinks, the consuming, right? We could easily name dozens of restaurants, favorite foods, snacks, beverages, and we're bombarded by images of food and making food all the time. 
Is this a cake or is it a shoe, right? How do you make the perfect steak? And some of you are already thinking, hmm, butter. But, and, well, here's an embarrassing one. What did he have for breakfast? Well, let's look that up on Instagram. Oh, look, this is what Dave had for breakfast. And again, food is provided by God, right? Jesus teaches us to be thankful for our food. But our consuming, consumption culture becomes almost obsessive with us. So why might we fast? Why might we fast? Well, we get stuck in that culture, don't we? We get stuck in so many ways. The Lord wants to rescue us, free us from the muck and the mire of sin and fear and consuming. Fasting alongside the powerful companion disciplines like word and prayer and worship and solitude provides the way to reset our desires, our longings, our needs more and more and more on God and away from sin, the world, and the devil. Because if we're honest, and I want to be honest, I get stuck sometimes. I get stuck. You get stuck. We know this world gets stuck. Stuck in what? Well, here's a simple example, right? Maybe I have a decision to make. Like, I don't know quite what to do. I can remember back almost 20 years ago when I was offered my first kind of church position, and it was very far away. It was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was stuck. I was like, well, I'm doing some wonderful things. The Lord is working in me in some great ways here in Vancouver. I'm doing some youth stuff, some, some church stuff, some camp stuff, some campus stuff. God seems to be doing a good work. Am I supposed to go all the way across the world to a place I don't know? And I felt really stuck. And some wonderful people in my life said, hey, why don't you fast and pray about that? And I'd never really done that in a a real decision-making way. So I said, okay. And as I did, as I fasted and prayed and turned all of this decision-making over to God's wisdom, God unstuck me. And I knew and heard God's voice. I was able to listen to the voice of Jesus, and I became unstuck and went to a wonderful ministry for a bunch of years in Charlotte, North Carolina. Could you fast and seek God's help? Now, there's so much to the practice of of fasting, but simply put, we voluntarily, this is, we're doing this on purpose, we're voluntarily taking time not to eat, to take time to seek Jesus and to surrender our our hungers, longings, desires, needs to God. And so that God would reform or transform our hearts and characters to be more like Jesus. To be kind of like, as one of my professors used to love to say, as we are in this process of spiritual renewal, of growth and maturity, as coming to listen to the voice of God It's that we're able to become more fully human, more fully as God intended for us to be. I love that. So I hope you can see that the culture kind of does seem to form us into this consuming people. And again, food is good and necessary for life. We we need food, right? But we often gain these unhealthy relationships with food. 
And so many of us and many around us have been hurt by our culture's relationship with food. So I also want to really acknowledge that there are many of us who have medical conditions and are very affected by food. One of my very best friends who I pray with often has Crohn's disease. And that's a really incredibly complicated relationship with food. And he's just such a prayerful guy. And I'm learning a lot from him. So with all of us, and I hope we, we acknowledge that food's a difficulty, I hope we can hear the biblical principle of moving for, from this kind of self-orientation and self-orientated longings and desires and needs to surrender those to God. So today our Bible passage will help us focus a bit more on how to do this thing called fasting. And God will correct and redirect our practice, this discipline of true biblical fasting. So I hope as we've experienced a bit of why we should be maybe paying attention to fasting, let's explore how we fast in the light of how God intends. And after that, I hope we can get really practical about this spiritual discipline, this gift from God. So, would you open your Bibles or your Bible apps and turn with me to Isaiah 58? We're going to start at verse 1. And when you found that, would you stand with me? Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 12. Here's Isaiah proclaiming God's word over the people. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends with quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to, to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing fingers and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the need, needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. 
Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls and restorer of streets with dwellings. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So how do we fast? And maybe you're hearing it, how do we not fast? This passage is so good and clarifying about what we're talking about. In our Isaiah passage, just to give you some context, God's people are called to celebrate the atonement. Now, they're called to celebrate this all throughout the year of God's providing forgiveness, but even on this one day, just this one day to fast and to remember God's providing forgiveness. Basically, one day a year, the Israelites were called to remember that God forgives us of our sin, makes us right with Him, provides a true relationship with Him. So part of remembering God's forgiveness, part of remembering this atonement, this forgiveness of sins, is to fast, to set aside the regular rhythms of life and stop. And the first half of our passage clearly shows how God's people in Isaiah's day, and yes, in our day as well, get biblical fasting totally wrong. And here's just a couple of ways to correct us. The first way is, is basically selfishness. I don't know if you heard that in the passage at all. The first thing we get wrong in fasting, as we see here in the passage, is selfishness, a self-orientation. Now, listen to how they are fasting for God's attention, to get God's approval and favor. Verse 3, if you look at that with me, they're asking a question. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Why haven't you noticed? We did what you said. We aren't eating. Now tell us what we want to know. Give us what we need. Fasting here is primarily about me about my needs, my wants. It's pride. So in other words, am I taking the good gifts that God gives, particularly His forgiveness, and using them all for myself? Because I am the most important person in my life. And a simple example of this could be, do I need credit for doing a good thing? Do I need the credit hey, look, I cleaned up, or look, I, I went to church, or, or look, I read my Bible, or look, I didn't punch my sibling. I need the credit. Do you also notice in our passage what people are doing while they are fasting? In their selfishness, verse 3, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. Do you see that in verse 3? And exploit your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, and striking each other with wicked fists, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Here do you notice, while some are, are fasting, they're kind of just lazing about. They're getting others to do all their work for them. The fast seems to be an excuse for selfishness. As the passage says, do as you please, which exposes their injustice, this anger and strife and violence. That is what's going on on the inside. Do we notice that people 
here just going through the motions. They're putting on their sad clothes. Ooh, that's, that's what sackcloth kind of is, sad clothes. They're kind of bowing their heads so they look kind of sad, kind of like a little reed or a grass you know, stalk, sort of bowing itself down. But Isaiah asks God's question, is that what you really call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Now, to kind of get that in kind of modern context, and maybe a little bit of a sting to me, I once knew a youth pastor. It's not me, by the way. I once knew a youth pastor who didn't really want to be a youth pastor. He wanted to be a real pastor. Whatever that means, whatever that means, whatever. I've been asked that too. But I don't want to hack on the guy. He was a decent guy, but he just wanted to kind of be a real pastor. But what happened was he went through the motions, right? He did the stuff he needed to do, but there was something missing. Now, before I get too high and mighty, like, I love the youth. I love our young adults. I need to know the danger of doing stuff just on the outside, the programs and activities. My heart is kind of flat, and I'm not looking like Jesus myself. Because with this pastor, what happened was the kids started to notice. The parents started to notice. And they said things like, I don't think... He even really likes me or or wants to be with me. And that impacted their faith. And so this is an opportunity for me to see something like this and go, I need to repent. I need to turn away from that and let God change my heart. So to ask the obvious question, is fast just an outside thing, just giving up food? Nothing needs to change on the inside? Well, obviously no. Because with the true fast, as we come to God, something is happening on the inside, in our souls as we fast. And we're given this picture in the second half of our passage of a life-giving fast, a beautiful fast, a world-changing kind of fast. Now, all throughout the scriptures, we hear this, but I love in James when he says, hey, when you're kind of in this wrong place on the outside, you're just going through the motions, here's what you need to do. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I love what James is saying, chapter four of his letter. We submit ourselves. We humble ourselves before the Lord. And I love this. We surrender ourselves to God. We surrender our hearts to Jesus. We give them over to Jesus. So look what could happen on the inside, in our souls, as we surrender through this beautiful practice of fasting. We can surrender food, which is just a simple thing. Surrender food, our satisfaction in food, our nourishment in food, our enjoyment of food, And in doing that, in just a little way, we're surrendering to God that He is our satisfaction. He is our spiritual nourishment. He is our enjoyment. And our need for Him only grows. Verse 6 of our passage, if you look at that with me, this is beautiful. He's he's answering the question, is this what we're supposed to be doing? Here's here's what it should look like. Verse 6, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? 
to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? This is the kind of fast that pleases the heart of God, surrendered to God, filled with God's justice, filled with God's love, filled with compassion and care for his community. Now, if I stop just for a moment, doesn't this just sound exactly like Jesus? Freedom for the prisoners, freedom for the oppressed, freedom for the burdened, love and compassion for those in need of food and home and clothing. The fast that God calls us to looks a lot like Jesus on the inside and on the out. And as we go through this passage, listen for the fruitfulness, the beauty of a fast that looks like Jesus. Listen for the presence of the Lord. Listen for the protection of the Lord. Listen for the guidance of the Lord. And listen, this is beautiful, for the ways the Lord can use us when we are surrendered, looking like Jesus in fasting and prayer. Look at verse 8 with me. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. What could it mean that we would be like light breaking in, like Jesus? Could it mean that when we surrender, not just our food, but our hearts, we can experience healing and right relationships? When we surrender to Jesus, we have His glorious presence and power and protection to be our rear guard. It's it's this beautiful and powerful image of God protecting His people, like in the Exodus story, the cloud by day and the fire by night, that is like the rear guard of God. Oh, that's so good. And if we go on, verses 9 and 10, just expand that view. You see, God is present with us in prayer and hears the cries of our heart. Then when you cry for help, He will say, Here am I. Here am I. Our hearts surrendered Surrender to the saving heart of God because He cares for the needs of the hungry and the oppressed. So we care for those in need. It's not prideful or selfish or unjust, but loving the community and caring for one another, justice and compassion, just like Jesus. So full of grace, so full of grace. And verse 11 just builds on that. The Lord will guide you always, the guidance of God. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. That kind of idea where there's this consuming culture that's draining everything from it in the sun-scorched land, both physically and spiritually, and will strengthen your frame. You will be like what in the sun-scorched land? A well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. So as we surrender 
to him. The Lord is always with us, taking care of our every need. Now the whole of us, our hearts and minds and souls and strengths, what does that look like? This beautiful garden. And if you remember from Psalm 1, even last week, that we're to meditate on God's word day and night, what do we be like? This beautiful garden, isn't it? And we're showering refreshment. It's not just for us. In the spiritual desert of our culture, you and I get to be those who shower the refreshment of the gospel. Oh. And this passage calls us to almost be renamed, to be repairer of broken walls, restorer of the streets of dwelling. We're people who repair, not destroy. We're people who restore, not ignore. We restore, not ignore. So fasting, when we surrender our hunger and needs and desires to God, we can look a lot more like Jesus. Now, as we do this, as we try this, is it always going to go our way? No, just a straight up no. It's not going to always go our way. But it is going to go God's way. And you and I are going to be able to see that more clearly. When our hearts are surrendered, even the sad things seem different. Even the stuck things. Remember, we were talking about those stuck things. They belong to him and he can unstick anything. And even the painful things have hope to them. So what a gift fasting can be. Here's where I'd like to end, with a look at how we can actually practice this discipline. What does it look like for us to fast? And again, I'd like to say the main heart of fasting is to surrender to God needs and desires and longings. And yes, biblically and historically, this has been intentionally giving up food for a time, sometimes a longer time, sometimes a shorter time. The fast does look different. But I also want to acknowledge that there can be medical issues with food or there can be mental health challenges with food or food scarcity issues. I want to acknowledge that and maybe just hint at some things that could be possible. And maybe giving up a coffee or a meal is possible, even if some of those are, are your issues. And I would invite you to talk to a counselor or a doctor to see if that's possible for you. And I also want to say that it is perfectly fine to intentionally fast from something, from something else like social media or some activity. Some of you are thinking clearly this guy is fasting from the barber, right? <laughs> but it's intentionally to seek God and spend more time with Him. Moving from this selfish pride and injustice to surrender to the humble love of Jesus and His justice and grace. And for those of us who are hearing this and be like, yeah, that's a good idea. We were talking a bit about this, like, hey, we don't want it to stay in our heads. For those of us who don't like giving up food, that's most of us, right? That's kind of the point. That's kind of the point. Hate to disappoint you. This isn't a diet or intermittent fasting or some sort of cleanse, although some of those effects may happen, right? In fasting, 
honestly, most of us will feel it. We'll feel the hunger, this discomfort. But we're doing it to follow Jesus in love. Love for God and love for others. Now, one of the very first times I was introduced to fasting, a lot of years ago, was in a youth activity called the 30-hour famine. It was a thing. Uh, basically, we fasted for 30 hours, basically three or four meals, right? And we were doing it in order to be sponsored to raise money for kids around the world who were in real need. Now, to say I got this all right or perfect, totally not true, right? And to saying we have to have it perfect or just right is also not true. It's the heart, remember? It's what's going on on the inside. And so for myself and the youth, we kind of complained a lot during the time. I'm so hungry. I'm so this. It's so, you know, there was a lot of drama, a lot of excuses, right? But there's also a lot of creativity. So maybe some people couldn't fast directly from food for the whole time, but maybe they were like, I'm going to fast from flavor. I'm just going to have very, very plain food, maybe some rice even without sort of salt in it, just like just enough sustenance, right? Or maybe I will fast from something else. And I remember that we were constantly called on to drink a lot of water. Make sure you hydrate more than you think is necessary. So it was also a little embarrassing because you're just constantly peeing. You're just constantly going to the bathroom. It's like, that is a strange effect of fasting. And guess what? Your tummy is always rumbling and it's a little embarrassing, right? Something you can complain about or go like, well, I don't really want that in my life. And with the youth and myself, we could have been like that and feeling a little bit about, uh, of that. But here's the thing. Even on that like 30 hours, which I thought was like, oh my gosh. It wasn't nearly as hard as I thought it was going to be. What? And even though I got tired a lot easier, I got cold a little easier, I was grumpy some of the time, I also realized, hey, this is how some people feel all the time. And there was a little bit of the heart of justice that kind of moved in my mind and thought, wow, maybe I can have a little more compassion. Maybe I feel it just for a moment what they feel all the time. Maybe I can contribute something to the lives of people who are hurting. And I also realized when you're fasting, you realize like, wait a second, I spend a lot of time with food, like eating food making food, buying. It takes up a lot of time. And I have this huge amount of time now on my hands. I'm not eating. Maybe I can spend that time with Jesus, spend that time intentionally in prayer. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So if you've never really fasted, what can you do? How can you start? Well, here's just a few tips. And there's many more. And this is not the covering everything. But here is a couple of just helpful things. First, fasting is intentional. It's this voluntary, intentional activity. It's this practice. We need to set aside some time. Am I going to fast maybe one treat? Or am I going to fast one meal? Am I going to fast one day? What might you be ready for? I think most of us could give up a Starbucks, 
you know, and take that time that we would be drinking a tea or coffee or whatever drink you drink, and to pray in God's Word and worship. Just take that 10 minutes. Or, or perhaps if you want to take this even a step further, setting aside the time of a meal or a few meals to pray and seek God and surrender yourself during that time, your heart to God. Now, I, I want to point out that fasting is a spiritual discipline. It's not a one-off. So as we are intentional about it, we can't just go, okay, I'll that fast that one time in my life, right? No, fasting is something we are called to do regularly and set time aside for. So I encourage you to start simple. Start small. Find success in at least doing it, experiencing it. Try maybe, okay, I could try this, maybe a fasted treat once a month. Or maybe a bit bolder, maybe once a week you could fast a meal or a few. And remember, this isn't to, to gain for ourselves and to show off, but to surrender to God. And for sure, good things happen. But God isn't impressed by our fasting or performance. And again, this isn't about getting it perfect. I need the perfect fast or I'm not really close to God. No, it's the heart reaching towards God, seeking God out. It's this intentional surrender. And again, fasting is uncomfortable. You got the tummy rumbles, the headaches, and the fatigue. Sounds like, a, you know, on the back of the, the medical sort of, uh, you know, medicine. It's like, yeah, those things can happen. Sometimes you get cold and emotional. But can we surrender to God to be more like Jesus? And here's just one more wink on that point. We can also celebrate when we break the fast and to be thankful to God for the food that we do have and for the love that he has shown to us and the forgiveness that he has provided on the cross. Second practical thing I like to say about fasting is be intentional about what you are fasting about. What are you focusing on in your fast? And of course, there are many, many things we can bring before God. But it seems in the Bible, fasting is this powerful practice when we're stuck, as I've said before. Whether we're stuck personally or we're stuck as a community or even look out on the world and the world seems stuck in something. And you can even ask others to join with you in fasting and praying, being in God's word and in worship in that stuck place. So where are you stuck? Where is someone you love stuck? And where is the world stuck, especially in the area of injustice? Well, let me just list a few things. Maybe something will, will catch your attention. Where may you be stuck or someone you know be stuck? Sin. Sin is a place, this place of rebellion towards God. There's something I'm just stuck in, something I'm doing or something I see someone doing. Maybe it's, it's a behavior or it's a mindset. Maybe there's anger and bitterness there. Maybe they're stuck, and we can pray for that repentance to happen in us and others, to turn away from that. Fasting is a wonderful practice. How about hurt or needs of healing? Is there someone you know who maybe you see are really hurting, whether it's, it's a medical need or it's a mental health challenge? Maybe you could take the time and fast and pray for them and surrender them to God. 
How about an area of justice? Maybe there's something that breaks your heart and you just can't see the way forward through it. And there's so many things in our world, whether we choose like indigenous issues or in my world, I see a lot of foster care issues. I see it's just so stuck. I see the violence and the abuse and the, the aftermath of that. Maybe you can fast and pray, be in God's word, be intentional about that. Maybe there's an area that you need to make a decision or you know someone who needs to make a really big decision. Well, fasting and praying is a fantastic way, as I've already said, to surrender ourselves and our decisions to God. And in that, as we surrender, we can begin to listen better to the voice of God. How about an area of faith? Maybe you're feeling a little flat. Maybe you're feeling, I just I feel a bit apathetic or I don't care. Maybe you're feeling a bit lazy in my faith and I need God's power and restoration. Well, fasting and praying and inviting others into that space, like I'm really feeling flat, would you pray for me? I'm fasting and praying. Could you join me in fasting and praying for that area of flatness in my life? Or maybe for someone else you know who's just really stuck in a place of, of kind of brokenness in their faith. Fasting and praying is a beautiful, powerful practice to see God break through. Now you see, Jesus always intended for us to be fasting. He knew his church needed to be fasting until he came again, where I guess in a sense we never need to fast again or feasting on, in, his, in his kingdom. But he always intended for us to fast, come before God, surrender ourselves, and this may be a familiar passage. We've looked at it before a couple months ago. In Matthew 6, he's talking about fasting. Jesus is, is bringing what fasting could look like. He says, but when you fast, not if you fast or could you fast or potentially fast, when you fast, that's Jesus' intention for us. You put oil on your head, wash your face so that not be obvious to others. It's not to show off, right? Not be obvious to others you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And the ultimate reward is God's presence, isn't it? It's His power. It's that beautiful rear guard of His glory. So, maybe this week, or if it's maybe a bit hard, you're still thinking it through, maybe next week, can you begin this powerful practice, this companion to prayer and the Word and worship, can you set aside a, a treat or a meal or several meals? Or, as I've said before, can you fast from something like social media or, or video games or an activity? But in order to do this, and I said be intentional, put it on the calendar. Write it in there. Maybe your secret calendar so no one else can see it, but like put it on your calendar. Set that time aside. Because even the good things that God provides can't compare to his presence, his compassion, his love, his justice and community. And I want to say one last thing as, as, we, as we think about that transforming work of Jesus in our heart as we surrender. As we're intentional about setting aside time, about what we're to, to pray about, to think about, it's also important for us to act so yes, fast, but while you're fasting, could you do something in line with our passage? 
Maybe I'm giving up a meal, so I go to the grocery store and buy a meal. Maybe I'm at the store, I buy a meal for someone else. Or maybe when I'm fasting, I can participate in a, an area of justice where I think, I think God is really wanting to be at work in here. Maybe I can volunteer, be a part of that. Act on the work that God is doing on the inside so your fasting looks like the fasting that gives joy to the Lord. And to kind of illustrate this in the very best way, I want to end with Jesus fasting and prayer. On our behalf, as he heads towards the cross and the ministry of, of the gospel, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is, just after he's baptized and, and is, is given this beautiful uh, word over him, that he is the beloved son in whom the Father is well pleased, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. Now, I'm not asking us to do that, but maybe some, some point in our life. But here's a powerful fast that Jesus did for himself and for us and for the sake of obedience to the Father. I'll end with this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. This is real. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, hey, questioning his identity. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Think only about the material. Think only about yourself. Think only about selfishness and pride. Think only about what the culture would do. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Bread's good. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Friends, surrender yourself. Even surrender your desires, your food, your needs to God. Because that's where we live. Amen? I invite us to time just to, to meditate on, on this word. We can think about it, let it roll around in our head. Think about the beautiful ways in which we can reflect Jesus in fasting and prayer. And maybe a way you can fast, whether it's food or whether it's something even good that God gives us that you can just give a time out for a few hours or even a day or even a week. What is it that God is calling you to fast for? And also, is there something on your heart? Like, oh, God's been stirring something. Maybe he can stir it even more. That I really want to pray and fast for this. I invite you to take the time now and, and certainly afterwards consider that. So let's uh, take time in prayer.